Welcome to the Money Over 50 podcast, brought to you by Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue from Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. This information is general in nature and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Therefore, you should consider whether the information is appropriate for you and your personal circumstances. If you require personal advice, please contact Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. Here are your hosts, Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue. Welcome to Money Over 50. Today, we're talking about how to turn $700,000 into $2 million. Thanks, Dallas. So, um, quite a few of our new clients come in to see us with around about $700,000 of retirement savings at you know, around about 10 years to go in their working lives. Um, whether they're age 50 or whether they're age 55, they're usually around that. Yeah, that, 10 that, years. Is that, the, yeah, that sort of 10 years to go. Um, something. Gap. Uh, generally speaking, the youngest is just finishing university or was just finished university. The, or, the youngest or, or child. Tried, the youngest the, child. Not sorry, the youngest member of the couple. Not the youngest <laughs> member of the couple. The youngest <laughs> child, sorry. Is just getting off their hands. They're just getting off their hands. Yeah. Um, so, so it's a scenario that we see a lot. Yeah. And, and quite, you know, quite often we say to those people, you know, if you were retired right now, yeah. what would give you a comfortable retirement? And usually that comes in at around about $100,000 yeah. of, of, of net. Yeah. Um, in, 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 future, in, future in, fu- in future terms. In future terms, yeah. So, so, so if they're retired in yeah. 10 years' time, yeah. to, to give them yeah. you know, a lifestyle where they're able to travel and eat out and yeah. you know, still go to bar class and gym and all those types of things. <laughs> yeah. Um, generally speaking, about $100,000 in the hand yep. would, uh, and that, is, so that, is, is enough. that correlates with about somewhere between eighty and 90000 in today's dollars. Mm. Yeah. And, that, and that's, I think, what, you know, we've talked a lot about on this podcast before, you know, people might spend about sixty grand a year. I don't know about you, but I think this is where we've sort of just gradually revise that a bit upwards because what you're actually seeing, what we're seeing practically now as people, as clients of ours are actually entering retirement is that they really don't want to cut into their lifestyle at all. And, no. and most people that are wanting to, that are coming to see us, it's because they, you know, if you don't care what your retirement looks like, you don't go and see a financial advisor. Mm. You know, most people who are coming to see us, they have an idea in their mind of what they want their lifestyle to look like. And it suggests somewhere around, you know, between eighty and ninety thousand dollars a year in today's dollars. Mm-hmm. That's to me the figure that uh, the average person, if you have that amount of money, you don't really have to think about money. So it sort of sounds counterintuitive to say that you think about what's the amount of money that you don't have to think about money. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that they can go and use private jets and all the rest of it. But if you got eighty thousand dollars a year versus sixty thousand dollars a year, the difference in that to me is not so much you know, hugely luxurious things. It's just the fact that you go and do your exercise classes and you go to dinner with your friends where you go mm. and do that holiday or whatever once a year without really having to think too hard about have you got enough money. So that's kind of where the 700 and the 2 million come from is that 700 is where on average people are coming to us with now. And once you sit down and work out their lifestyle, the way they want to live, 2 million is, is sort of roughly that target that they really want to shoot towards or should be shooting towards. Yeah, and and again, um, no preparation's gone into this today. We want to yeah. we want to speak conceptually. I yeah. mean, people listening yeah. are going to be fifty five with six hundred thousand dollars, or yes. fifty five yeah. or yeah. fifty six with yeah. eight hundred thousand dollars. So they're not going to have seven hundred thousand dollars. But, um, but what, yeah. a, what it's a, not going to be exactly ten years to their working life. The no. youngest yeah. won't be exactly finishing yeah. university right now. But I think so. So it's it's it's. I guess just we we just wanted to we just wanted to go in chrono- chronological order. And and just just um, take the listeners through step by step, step by step. What what would actually what you actually need to do yeah. over that period of time to yeah. get seven hundred thousand yeah. dollars to turn into two million dollars. And I think the the key as well with this is uh, well, the the, why, the reason why we wanted to do this in a very conceptual chronological order is that at different times there's a different focus. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. so you kind of go and right if if that's you now. What's the immediate focus need to be, and then what do you need to be focusing on down the track, and what are the different levers that get pulled at different times? So, let's use this example of John and Jane Smith because that's what I always call them when they when they come in, and they they've got seven hundred thousand dollars, and the youngest is just just finishing up uni and being off their hands, and they've you know normally just paid off the home, and they're mm. they're ready to okay, what do I do now with ten years to go to to work? 
So what's what are they? What's the first thing that that you'd be looking at with a model? So um, we'd actually look at at where that money is asset allocated yep. and the seven hundred thousand. The seven hundred thousand. So so, so let's have a look at what your current retirement savings are. Most of it would generally be in superannuation. Yep. Occasionally there'd be money outside, yep. um, maybe in a rental property yep. somewhere or outside yep. investments. But what we'd actually look at is is um, how hard is that money working now and and how hard do we need that money to work yeah. uh, to get to two million dollars and we'd actually um, broader than that we'd actually give that money a job yeah. yeah so so we're a big believer in that money has to have a job yeah and the job of that money if we sat down with that that couple and said okay well yeah to, to again assuming that hundred thousand dollars of net income is where they need to be in ten years' time uh, per year. So they need to 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 pull out a hundred thousand uh, dollars a year in the hand to live that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. The job of that seven hundred thousand dollars over the next ten years mm-hmm. would be to get that to two million dollars. So we'd, we'd we'd broadly look at okay, what is the job of that money? Yeah. So that's really step one, I guess, is that because it's really about step one is about what you've already got. And so, let me say, if you've got seven hundred thousand dollars worth of retirement savings, the the first lever that you want to pull is we have done the hard yards to build that up. Now, is that money working as hard as it possibly can be? And and yep. if not, let's get that happening. Let's make sure that over the next ten years, the, the retirement savings that you've already built up is is going to then do a lot of the work for you if you get that working hard. So. And generally speaking, and, and I should point out that this is all generally speaking. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't just stop saying generally speaking. Yeah, it's, generally it's, speaking. It's generally speaking yeah. the whole way through. So, so people, yes, generally speaking the whole way through. So people come to us, when we look at that yeah. $700,000 in this example, what we see is that about 30% of that money is sitting in cash and fixed interest. Yeah. And and typically, uh, John and Jane Smith, who are seeing seeing us for the first time, probably seeing a financial advisor for the first time, um, don't really understand the breakdown of where that money is sitting. No. So how much is in Australian companies? How yeah. much is in global companies? How much is in property? How much is in cash and fixed interest? And so typically what we see is about 30% of that $700,000. $210,000 is, is sitting in the yeah. bank, not, yeah. not not pulling its own weight, especially in today's interest terms. Yeah. So and, and the key there as well, I think, Michael, is that when we ask that question of how how are your current retirement savings invested, um, most of the time, most of the time people don't know. And so, if if you're sitting there thinking, "Geez, I don't know how my super's invested," you, you're not on your own. This is no. a very common thing, and that's part of our job here is to people will often come in and say, "I've got you know a Sun Super account or a Q Super account or a MLC account or whatever super fund," and when you say, "How's that? You know, how is that money invested right now? What what's it doing?" You know what asset classes do you own with that money? They'll basically shrug their shoulders and, and don't know. And then when you look into it, it's normally in a, a balanced or a, or a life cycle or a sort of a default investment option that's happened on their behalf. And we've talked about this in in various podcasts before that it's that's completely that's completely normal. It's not mm. as though that was a poor decision that I made. It's just that that's the path of least resistance is to end up with your money in there. But that's what is practically happening behind the scenes is that if you've got that money in your default investment option, it's probably about 30% invested in cash. And when you look at your statement, it doesn't say, okay, of your money in super, 30% invested in cash. It'll normally say it's in the default or the you know, balanced or the lifetime sustain or yes. the, you know, the, 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 whatever the, the, the pre-mixed um, term is for that but that's what's going on behind the scenes that's the first thing we look at is yep. let's get that let's give that money a job let's get it working for you as hard as possible digressing slightly I heard of a new pompous term the other day for that <laughs> yeah. it's called a portfolio x-ray so we do. I mean if that if that helps you yeah. conceptualize what we're doing at yeah. that point in time then we can use that term portfolio yeah. x-ray but what we're actually <laughs> looking we're at we're never going to use that term we're never going to use that term <laughs> Um, what, what we're going to say is we, we, we're going to take a, a, a look underneath or we're yeah, going to have a pull apart yes, yeah. what what you're actually invested into. Because yeah. you're right, Dallas, um, where's that money invested? People will say it's in Australian super yeah. or it's in yeah. Q super or it's in yeah. Sun super or it's yeah. in you know, Colonial First State. Yeah. Um, 
uh, not 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 really appreciating, and and they shouldn't appreciate necessarily the the percentage that's in mm-hmm. growth assets. Yeah. So yeah, good quality Australian companies, good quality global companies. Yeah. Um, and and defensive or low returning yeah. assets such as yeah. cash and fixed interest and bonds. Yeah. So so that's um, part one. We so so we'd look at that. We would look at that situation. And we would say, okay, before you before you contribute any money to your mm. superannuation or retirement savings, what if we? It's it's a what if scenario, isn't it? Yeah, really, it's yeah. it's what if we um, dialed down yeah. that percentage of low returning money, yeah. and, and what if we increased that to, yeah, you know, in some cases zero dollars yes. in, 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 in cash and fixed interest and bonds, a hundred percent of your money. You know, across growth assets, what and what type of growth assets? We're not even looking at that at that point in time. Yeah, it's, it's just, just that it's just the trade off between yeah, you know, basically defensive assets and and growth assets. And and sort of and, and what we're really looking to do there is take up, and, and these figures are conservatively a conservative six percent rate of return, up to a conservative eight percent rate of return. And what what I mean by conservative. Uh, if you've looked at your rate of return on a balanced fund or a growth fund over the last ten years, returns have been in excess of those figures yep. that we state there. Yeah, we we, we actually we, to, we yeah. actually dial that that assume rate of return down yep. to to um, yeah we 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 dial it down quite a percentage. Yeah, and that's I guess uh, to 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 finish up to about step one in terms of how that money's invested. The point you touched on before there, Michael, around. You know, we just said some of some of that money you may well decide that you want to remain in cash and and in particular we see this with some people have a certain amount of money that they want in a bank account that they can see and touch and get access to and that just helps them sleep at night so you might say of your seven hundred thousand that you've got that's in total retirement savings sums in super sums invested in your own name mm-hmm. that sort of thing you might say okay of all the money that I've got in super and of all the money that I'm contributing and I'm happy for that to be working as hard as possible but I just want to leave a buffer of $20,000 or $50,000 or whatever that figure is, I want that there as a bit of a security blanket. And that's that's a part of that conversation is really just about going, making sure that you're aligning the, the money. Like I said, every every job's got a, every every dollar has a job to do. And the money that you need working for you for the long term, we want mm-hmm. that working as hard as possible. Mm-hmm. And the money that is going to be a security blanket and that you, that you got in case of an emergency, you want that in cash. You want that in... In a bank account, knowing that you can get access to that when you need it. Absolutely. So it's pointless if you're 55 and are not able to access your superannuation until yeah. 65. Yes. Um, assuming that you're going to work through till yeah. then, then it's pointless to have that cash inside of your superannuation fund if yeah. you need to get yeah. at it. You yeah. want it in your own yes. personal bank yeah. accounts. And that, that's so. what we're talking about. It's not to say that everyone should be 100% invested in growth assets or that there's a set mm. percentage that you should be. It's around getting the right. The right asset, the right assets owned within the right structure. So, like right. we said, normally that's a simple breakdown: is to go, let's get your superannuation money working as hard as possible, and then let's work out how much do you need in your own name that's that's still there in in bank accounts, so that you've got access to an emergency, and it's just going to help you sleep at night, and not have to worry about yep. what happens if you get sick or you lose your job or something like that. So, yep. that's sort of step one: is to, and I guess if you look at it as chronological, that's almost. What do we do with the stuff that you've already that you already built up? And that you've so, already, yeah. And now we're looking at that as you know, by the time this podcast comes out, it's going to be around the end of the financial year. Which I love doing a first meeting with someone in in May or June of, mm. of the financial year because the next step is okay. Well, what what can we do right now? Right what, now, what can we? And again, going back to that point, of if you've got more than what you need sitting in cash in a bank account in your own name, or you have a rental property in your own name. Yeah. Is there a way that we can get that money uh, both invested in the right asset classes for you and also pick up some tax savings on the way? And, and this is sort of step two for, for me and, and jump mm. in if there's anything else that you're thinking here, Michael, but is those carry forward concessional contributions, which mm. not just a great racehorse name. <laughs> We've done a few podcasts about this. It's a fantastic uh, way to pick up a pretty big tax refund in that first year mm. is catching up on yeah, you know, the the concession, the before tax contributions to super that you could have made for the last couple of years, and it's it's normally a good way to 
get some of the money in your own name, get it into super, claim a tax deduction for it and pick up a really big refund for some yeah, people. Yeah, so, and, and a really simple analogy there is that if uh, John Smith's employer had put in $10,000 a year into superannuation and he hadn't put in any money in, yeah. recognising that he has been able to put in $25,000 a year, yeah. um, in the current financial year, which is 2021, that we're recording this, um, John can go back to 2018-19 and say, okay, my employer put in 10 there. I was able to put in 25. I didn't. Yep. So I've got, um, so got $15,000 yeah. that I can carry forward. Yep. Um, I've got another 15000 I can carry forward from 2019-20. And I've got $15,000 spare yep. this year, 2020-21. Yep. Um, he could potentially put in... Uh, what's that? Uh, Forty-five thousand dollars. Yeah. This, this financial year, claim that as a tax deduction. Yeah. And um, if Jane's scenario was this was the same, she could actually put in forty-five thousand dollars this year as and well. Or you could. I mean, there's 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 plenty of ways you can yep. you can apportion that over yep. future financial years as well. And, but uh, but but it's a really really good one because it's it's an it's it's relatively new legislation. Yeah. And it's and it's it's confusing. Hmm. But and it's, it's um, often overlooked. But, it, but it's a good example of, like you say, right now. If, if right now John and Jane Smith have got $100,000 sitting in a bank account in their own name and they go, we're both, we're both working, we're both earning a good income, we don't really need any cash in our own name, what should we be doing with that 100? In that case, you could take 45000 of that, put it in, in John's super account, claim a tax deduction for that. Mm. If, he, if, he's on a, if he's on about that $100,000 a year... <laughs> He's going to get a refund of about fifteen thousand dollars on mm. on his on his forty five he's contributed in. The same thing applies with Jane. So you've gone from having a hundred thousand dollars in a bank account in your own name, mm. not working that hard for you. If you've got the investment strategy of your super fund um, set up so that it's all in growth assets, you've taken ninety thousand dollars of that cash. You've only left a little bit of a buffer there for an emergency. Mm. You got the ninety. You've got it into super. You've got it invested and working for you. And along the way, you've picked up combined tax refunds of, of thirty thousand dollars in that mm. first year. So, that's that's again a bit of a, you know, like we said, the investment strategy is looking backwards. The the carry forward or, or those those lump sum contributions that you can pick up now. That's a that's basically a, a right now thing. Yep. Uh, and and then and then we start to look at what can you do moving forward. Yes. So um, the next thing that I would do then is is. Uh, Continue on with a a what if yeah. scenario. Yeah. Okay. We know that you have seven hundred thousand mm. dollars. We know that we we need to get that to two million dollars. Um. What if? Let's work backwards. Yeah. Let's work backwards and work out all the things that you'd need to do. Yeah. Over that period of time. So, so broadly speaking, that will give us a number of mm. uh, that will give us a number, and that number. Is the amount that these people need to put into superannuation yep. every single year? Before we look at tax deductions and things like that, which which will come up, yep. this is just purely yep. what is that number yep. going in? Um, so for a lot of people, uh, that number is is actually maxing out yep. their concessional contributions so, each year. So that's the twenty five thousand. So for John and Jane, you might say they've made their lump sum contributions in in June of this financial year, so they've used up all the limits for last year. Moving forward, assuming that they're, that they're still getting $10,000 a year going in from their employer contributions, mm. you might go, okay, let's, let's on, a re- on a pay cycle basis, on a fortnightly or a weekly or a monthly basis, let's contribute into super the amount of money that's going to bring you up to that $25,000 limit each year. Yeah, and good news, that cap's going up yeah. <laughs> on the 1st of July. So yeah. the $25,000 yeah. limit... Is going up to twenty seven and a half thousand dollars from the first of July two thousand twenty one. So, yep. so, so basically, what that means is, oh, the, there's a second part to that as well. The, yeah, the super guarantee rate is going, going up, up to 10%. from nine and a half percent to ten percent. Yeah. Um. So, I, I guess a way to look at that is that is that um you can put in an extra two and a half thousand dollars each person into superannuation each year and claim that as a tax deduction. Yeah. Uh, however, your employer is gonna gonna you know, put some of that in yeah, because nine and a half percent goes up to ten percent for the yeah. super guarantee. Yeah. So for a lot of people, we would start with the assumption: Hey, what if what if you could afford to? You're doing nothing now. Yeah. So you're not putting any money, any focused money away yeah. necessarily. You might be saving some money. Yeah. You might be adding to an investment. Um, all of those types of things. But but 
if we look at focused money and we said, okay, you've got ten thousand dollars a year going in from your employer, each of you, um, what would what would happen if we actually were able to put in seventeen and a half thousand dollars each? Yep. For 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 John and seventeen and a half thousand dollars for Jane. Yep. Um, where would that, what what number would that spit out over that period of time? Now, um, we don't have the figures in front of us because we haven't done the figures. My instinct is it would put you pretty close. Yeah, it, it puts would, you pretty close to two million. It, it would be. Now again, we don't have the numbers, but the muscle memory of having done this a million and one times by now is that that's going to get you a fair bit of the way there. So again, the rules of thumb that I work on here is that if you've got seven hundred thousand. Mm. And in in super, so you've you've got if you had six hundred thousand mm. super and and you put in a hundred you put in ninety thousand to use yep. up your concessionals, um, then you then you got that money invested, got that working hard for you. That seven hundred thousand is going to roughly double over ten years. Now mm. there's a rule of seventy two thing that we could go into, mm. but as a rule of thumb, your seven hundred thousand is going to turn into just on its own around one point four one point five million. Mm. So that leaves us about $500,000 short. Now, as a rule of thumb, and we, I think we did this podcast just recently about different rules of thumb, but think of it as for every $100,000 of, of uh, retirement savings that you are short in, in mm. 10 years' time, you basically need to save net income of about $500 per, of about $100 per week. So mm. in this case, you'd go, they're on track to be at about one5 just with what they've already got invested. Um, they're 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 going to be at one point five. They need two million. They're five hundred thousand dollars short. How much do I need to be saving every week to make up that shortfall? The answer is going to be somewhere around five hundred dollars per week, mm. which is about twenty five thousand dollars per year. Mm. Now, the 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 point that we, that you make here, Michael, is you sort of work backwards. Where you go, you need to come up with about five hundred dollars per week. Now, now that we've decided that you're going to do that, let's do that in the most tax-effective way mm. possible. And that's where claiming claiming those contributions as a tax deduction, all that sort of thing, that's where it becomes very valuable. But those rules of thumb tell me that if, if I can do that, if I can max out those concessional contributions yeah. every year, I'm going to be around about where I need to be because it's, it's going to be about $500 a week. It's going to give me about $500,000 in 10 years' time. Well, the really nice thing there, Dallas, that money is all around us. Yes. And what I mean by that, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, John and Jane or whoever it is, yeah. is um, they're saving a bit of money for a holiday yeah. over here. Yeah. But they go on, you know, yeah. twice a year. Yeah. Uh, they're putting a little bit of money over here into yeah. a, another savings account. They've they're, probably just finished paying off a car loan or a home loan or something off like a car that. Loan. They're paying extra on their mortgage. As you said, their last all. kid that was at uni that was still bumming off them a bit, they're <laughs> now off their hands. So Yeah, uh, the 27-year-old child that's been working <laughs> for five years and yeah. has gone from an apprentice to earning yeah. really, really good money. Yeah. The, still has the, uh, the still has the red show <laughs> and the mobile phone paid by mum and dad. Um, that's all gone. Uh, all those types of things. So we have that discussion. The money is all around them. Yeah. So yeah, and we 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 find that um, when we give someone a yeah, you know, let's call it a bill yeah. in this situation, it's yeah, the yeah. best bill you can ever get. Yeah, the best bill you can ever it's get from your is, future self is, is from your future self saying, "Hey, I need you to is, come up with five hundred dollars a week." Is is and, and even in this example, the max that John and Jane can do from one July two thousand twenty one. Yeah. So um, combined, they have the ability to put in thirty five thousand dollars if oh, their employers oh, are paying oh, tax. ten thousand yeah. dollars each. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They can put in up to twenty-seven and a half thousand dollars each. Yep. So the plot in this example, employers paying in ten, yeah. they put in seventeen and a half thousand dollars each um, times two. That's thirty-five thousand dollars for the year. Yeah, that's their bill. Yep. That's 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 yep. that's the bill. Like I said, it's the best bill you can yep. ever have. And and the reason why those. So just to explain a bit further, and we've we've talked about this in great detail about before tax contributions. So they can put thirty-five thousand dollars into super before tax. What that's actually going to cost them out of pocket lines up very neatly with about twenty five. So they're going to mm. ordinarily they'd pay about ten thousand dollars in tax and they'd be left with twenty five thousand. Mm. What we're suggesting is you take that that top thirty five thousand dollars of your income, push it directly into super. You don't have to pay income tax on it. So mm. it's costing you out of pocket somewhere around twenty five thousand dollars or five hundred dollars per week. Yep. So that's where the bill. That's where that weekly bill amount comes from. Yeah, and 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 um, the, I mean our preferred way to do that for people. Yeah. Would be to actually 
have their after-tax pay go into their bank account every yeah. fortnight. They pay that in. They would then they would then contribute in fortnightly instalments. Seven hundred. One of yeah, yeah thirty-five thousand dollars. Yeah, fourteen hundred a fortnight. Fourteen hundred a fortnight. Yeah. Um, and and then we would we would claim that as a tax deduction at the end of the financial year, which would give them back somewhere in the vicinity between ten and twelve thousand dollars of tax return combined. Yep. There's the holiday money. Yeah. yeah. So it, look at look at look it yeah. fits in nicely then yes. because you'd, you you can actually. Um, the way that they were doing it before was we, we would we would I mean I would call it unfocused yeah. saving so a, bit a bit here money a bit there the but they, bit what we're talking about now yeah. is focusing that into fortnightly installments of fourteen hundred dollars between them into their superannuation funds. Yeah. We claim that as a tax deduction at the end of the financial year. Hey, we don't need to save for a holiday twelve thousand dollars over here for a holiday. Yeah. We focus that money into superannuation because we now have tapped into that being tax deductible. That's about what they would get back in tax deduction. And so I guess just to where that puts us is I guess what we would consider the the end of the initial process because what we've done is step one is to get the money that you've already got saved Mm. working for you as hard as possible. Step two is, you know, pick up some of those lump sum tax savings from your carry forward contributions and getting the right, getting the money invested in the right way in the right ownership structure, whether that's through super. Step three is then a plan forward to max out those contributions to super, pick up the maximum amount of tax deductions available. And and on average, that's going to put you around where you need to be. Mm. Step four then is almost a... That's really where we're reviewing this on a, on a, on, a, on an ongoing basis every six months because there's obviously been a lot of changes happen in that time. Mm. We're now saying you know you'd be paying fourteen hundred in and that's going to be doing this, that's going to be doing that. What we then need to do is is pretty much in that first after that first few months we we review that and it's more just a check in there to go mm. does that feel about right and is that sustainable and is that going to be something that you can do for the next ten years because it's a very different thing. You know, doing a plan and doing a plan and, and having the steps written out and having the spreadsheet of yeah, this is where it's going to put you. But if you get three months in or six months into that and you go, this isn't sustainable and and we we're not actually not going to be able to stick to this, then we need to adjust that plan straight off the bat. Mm. So that's I guess what I would consider step four in that is let's do this for a few months and then check in and see whether it whether it still works and whether it makes sense and whether it feels about right. Yeah, absolutely, and and um, our clients say a couple of other things. In that, there's a big gap here between when they first walk in and ten years later on, yeah, when they get to retirement stage. Now, now, um, what they say in that period of time, we 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 commonly hear we love the accountability yeah. that you guys yeah keep us keep us accountable, keep us focused, oh, yeah, on the right track. And peace of mind is another one yep. that gets used yep. quite a bit. Yeah, and I can appreciate that. Yeah, um, and and that's I think the the point where we're saying that you're reviewing that is that you know we touched on this just before around it's um, some people's you know I I think I've said this before on the podcast I, love, I read somewhere that a psychologist was basically saying that everyone who comes to see someone a psychologist in this case around I think the same applies for financial advisors some people need to be loosened and some people need to be tightened and so. And either way, that first check-in after everything's been changed, sometimes that's people coming in going, hey, that, it's, it's been hard to save that money. And that's more about us then just going, hey, you know, you know this is where you want to be in 10 years' time. You need to be saving this amount per fortnight. Just stick to the plan. Don't, don't adjust things. Stick to it. Let that teething period work through and, and stick to it and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Some people need to be you know, tightened and motivated in that way to stick to it. Mm. Other people, you often find that they, they sort of feel like it's almost too easy mm. and they're going, I, I can probably save more. And it's almost our job then to go, no, no, it's, it's fine. You, you've said that you want to be in this position in 10 years' yeah. time. What you're doing and what you've been able to stick to is putting you on track for there. So if if your goals are still the same, if, if where you want to be in 10 years' time is still the same, we don't need, don't stress. Like That's where yeah. the peace of mind for a lot of people comes into it is, not only do you know that you're doing everything that you that you can do, you know that you don't need to do any more. You're already yep. on track. You've already got everything. Everything is is accounted for and is being taken care of. Um, In that middle part, then yeah, then what we're looking is uh, 
is to refine things, aren't we? Yeah, so, so, so a good example is that is that on the first of July yeah. this year, two thousand twenty-one, um, we'll give people a new bill. Yep, and say, okay, <laughs> yeah, you can, you can, you, as as a couple, you guys can put in an extra five thousand dollars. Yep. To superannuation each, yeah. uh, sorry, combined two and a half thousand dollars each, and claim that as a tax deduction. Hey, your employer is going to actually put in yeah. a part yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah. So you know we'll work it out. Um, it makes sense for us to do that. Are you comfortable in doing that? Yeah. Uh, here's the benefits of doing that. Let's let's actually get yeah. in there and change that right now. Yep. So, so the other thing we're looking for is um, other opportunities that come up. Now they that's that is that's never. Hey, there's this new Ubute investment fund yeah, yeah. that we can that. take advantage <laughs> of, and we can swap money from here and, and put it there. I mean, it's it's it's, it's never that, yeah. and we're very skeptical of 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 that type of advice. But it's but it's actually looking at it's actually looking at at um, opportunities from a tax planning point of view, from changes to legislation. Yeah. Um, sometimes they're subtle, like yeah. this one. Yeah. Where the um, amount that you can put into super each yeah. is just going up; it's being indexed up. Yeah. Um, other times, the the other legislation or the pending legislation change yeah. is is more significant. Yeah. So we're we're actually looking at, at all of that. Is there anything else we can fine tune there? Take advantage of um, over this next period of time. And and I guess to touch on the point that you make there about the. The way we think it is, there's three there's three possible areas of change, um, and when you're talking about refining it, it's always refining in response to to a change. And you know, we have a pl- we have a goal, we have a plan, we're working that plan. Mm-hmm. The three things that can be changing or that can be variable is uh, number one is 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 the person's situation is mm-hmm. is either their their situation now or their goals. So they're either going, hey, we thought we wanted to work ten years, but maybe we want to pull up in eight years time, or mm-hmm. they're saying. I was earning 100 grand a year. I've just got a pay rise to 150, or I decide I want to take this lower paying job. So, the first category of changes is is changes to situation, and and that happens, I think, far more frequently than what people um, often think. So, if, if you look at, you got 10 years to go. Everyone always thinks that nothing's going to change in the next 10 years, and invariably, within the first two or three years, something fairly dramatic mm. has has changed. So, that's sort of the first category is. As as the person's as their goals change, or as the trade-offs that they're willing to make change, we're, we're adjusting the plan based on that. As their current situation changes in terms of their work or their income or their expenses or whatever, we're adjusting the plan based on that. The second part is legislation, which is a bit more, uh, I guess, black and white because, like you say, we just go: these are the new rules. How do we apply those new rules to your situation with everything we know about you? The third thing that does change over time, but that we tend not to actually react to is economic conditions. So, you know, what the what the broader economy is doing in Australia and around the world, what uh, company prices are doing, are they up, are they down? These are all things that are changing all the time. But the key for us there with that third category of change is, is often just making sure that our clients stick to the plan. It's not mm-hmm. about going... You know, share prices are up, let's do this differently, all share prices are down, let's do this differently. It's just to continue to focus people back in on what are the things that we can control, what's the plan that we've got that's putting us on track where we need to be. Let's just keep sticking to that and, and not get distracted by that movement in the short term. So, you know, that, that's, I think, those three categories of what I think about when we're talking about refining that for people is that it's not, it's not a situation where, you, you know, People come in for a meeting and we sit down and we talk about the Cowboys for half an hour or the weather. Yeah. And go, okay, well, what are we going to do? There's, there's that sort of structured outline in our mind of what's changed in your life, what's changed in legislation, and, and what's going on in, in the economy as a whole, and, and how do we make sure that we're sticking to the plan? A- absolutely. And, and, and yeah, along that 10-year journey yeah. from 55, age 55 to age 65, very often halfway through that journey, what we, what we find is our clients saying to us, Hey, um, we're on track here, aren't we? Yeah. And we say yes. And then, <laughs> and then, um, yeah. Oh, wouldn't mind actually being becoming consultant. Yeah. Uh, and working or, from home, or wouldn't mind doing this, or I wouldn't yeah, mind coming back to three role. days a week, or yeah, to to make a lifestyle change. What would we need to do to stay on track? Yeah. In that in that in, in that position. So I, I think that that's I guess if you look at those three categories of change, um, 
you know, economic conditions are, are boom and bust all the time and that's mm. sort of one thing that we're talking about consistently with our clients is making sure that they're comfortable with that and that they're sticking the course. The other two categories, the legislation changes and the, and the personal situation or the goals changing, what I tend to see is in the first five years of that 10-year plan, the goals don't tend to change too much. For the first no. five years, people just sort of put their head down and go, this is, this is what we're doing. And so yep. it's more legislation change and, and amending that and you're sort of having to think longer term about legislation and how that impacts things. Mm. I think you, you're dead right about that five-year mark. It tends to swap a bit, and you still have all the same issues with legislation and you know the mm. new rules and the rest of it. But that the the goals or the plan tends to change more frequently than I would mm. say. Where there's people that sort of spend the first five years getting comfortable with the idea that we are going to be on track to be where we want to be, and then you spend the last five years going, okay, well, is is that actually where I want to be, or mm. you know, when do I want to retire? When do I want to cut back? What does that look like? All those sorts of things is definitely, I find, more in the back half of that 10-year plan. And, and it's a great position to be in and a lot of fun for, for us talking about that with our clients because you've sort of done the hard yards, got yourself there, and then it's, it's about adjusting that. But, but you've already done the groundwork. You've got that foundation set. So we're getting close to the 10-year mark. That 10-year mark. Yeah. And, and Australia has a very, very unique tax, tax position yeah. in that um, where we want our money to end up for John and Jane is we want them to have approximate equal balances yep. and we want that money to be in superannuation on the day that they retire. If we could get all of their assets mm. um, into superannuation on the day that they retired, that's where we want it yep. because from that point in time, each of them has up to $1.7 million now from the 1st of July yep. 2021. It's yep. currently $1.6 million as a limit. Um uh, so they have up to that that they can actually uh, open a zero percent tax superannuation fund up to one point seven million dollars yeah. each. So in, in this case, so in this case, they've got, got a million dollars each. They've got a million dollars each. They're well them, under that figure. Gives them a combined balance of two million dollars. They can move all that two million dollars in superannuation into a zero percent tax environment when yep. they retire. And um, there are, if you if you're a new listener, there are plenty of yeah. uh, podcasts that we've we, we love this. This is this, <laughs> we love a tax free. What, what, what's unique about this in Australia is that you, you effectively have a tax free. John and Jane Smith effectively have a tax free company. Think yeah. of it in those terms. Yeah. Or a tax free trust in those terms. Yeah. Conceptually, picture that in your mind. Yeah. Um, their superannuation becomes a tax free company or a tax-free trust if you like to think of that yeah. that holds their assets yeah from um the time that they're over 60 and retired yeah so so what what we mean by that they've effectively got two million dollars in this example mm. and the rate of return on that if that rate of return is say eight percent mm. um then they have one hundred and sixty thousand dollars of fund earnings yeah that they pay zero dollars in tax on yep they can also then deduct their, in this example, $100,000 of income that they wanted each year. Yep. And they and pay, pay zero no dollars in tax on, on that on now. The income they draw out. What's unique about that? And that's, that's, you know, the legislation is they can do that for the rest of their lives. Yep. So what's unique about Australia is that usually if you get, usually if something's tax free, yeah. down the road, it's not, tax, it's not tax deductible to, to get it in, to contribute to that. Yep. In Australia, we have you get a tax deduction on the way in yep. up to those concessional yep. contribution limits, yep. and it's tax free on the way out. Yeah, it's tax free while you hold that money there after age sixty, uh, in that in that zero percent tax environment. So it's it's quite unique. Yeah, um, we do pay because that's not the same in the UK or in the US. United States. Yeah. Um, so you only get a tax deduction on one of those. Yeah, things. either on the way in or, or it's tax-free on the, the way in. The trade-off is that we, we have some of the highest income tax rates yeah. in the world. Yeah. Um, but again, that's just that's just another reason why you'd want to be tapping into the tax deductions yeah. every single year Yeah. Uh, by contributing money up to those concessional contribution limits yeah. into superannuation. Yeah. Um, so we get to that stage then. So, and that, So that's, I guess, if we look at, again, chronologically, we've, we've, we've done the work done the work with the money that you've already built up, got that money, taken advantage of every dollar of tax savings both in the initial stages and mm. then along the way while you've been working, 
you've done the hard yards, you've contributed the money into super that you need to. You, you, you paid the yep. bill every fortnight, you've got <laughs> that money in. You've built up your, your super balance, a combined amount of $2 million. You then flick the switch, you, you've retired, you move that $2 million from superannuation into, into a tax-free account-based pension or a, mm. a tax-free super income stream. Um, that's, that's, I guess, in, in simple terms. For most people, I guess they see that as the finished line, but, mm. but we know that that's not necessarily it because you, you've, got to the, you've got to that first, uh, that first target. Mm. You, you got to retirement. You've built up the retirement savings that we said you needed. You've got it in a tax-free environment. Then, then you start the the process of and start the process. You continue the process of going. If you need to draw a hundred thousand dollars a year <coughs> out of out of that tax-free um, trust, yeah, the tax-free super fund, um, you need that money to continue to work very hard for you. Mm. It's got to get up I and know, get dressed. <laughs> I knew you were about to D- say Dallas, hate, Dallas <laughs> hates this, but uh, for 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 regular listeners, you would you'd be familiar with. Yeah, the analogy that I use. Yeah, the day that you retire, your your money. Think of your money in your superannuation fund now as having to get up and yeah. get dressed and go to work for you. Yeah. yeah, and it has to it has to work hard for <laughs> for most people. It has to work hard. Yes, um, and that's that's I guess the point of it's a decision that you make at that point in time at retirement or just leading up to retirement. For a lot of people, that's a a conversation that takes a. Yeah, we, we're talking about that in the last couple of years leading up to retirement is we almost want to come up with a system or a series of rules around how are you actually going to draw your income in retirement mm-hmm. and how does that money need to be working for you so that you can stop working. So, mm-hmm. for example, you might say that I've got $2 million in, in, my, uh, in, my, in my super that I'm moving into in my tax-free environment. I'm going to draw $100,000 per year out mm-hmm. of that and I'm just going to draw that out on a flat fortnightly basis and I'm going to leave that full $2 million fully invested. Mm. Or you might change how you actually draw that income out. It might not be on a fortnightly basis. It might be on an annual basis. You might slightly change the investment strategy of how that money is invested, those sorts of things. You might have a plan for when, when company prices drop by 20 30%, I'm going to change where I draw my income from. Mm. There's... There's a heap of different things that you that you need to think about then when you enter retirement because you you are then living on that you're living on that money not on the money that you that you're getting from your employer every fortnight. It's a the way that I think of it is that we we won't know what that next thirty years of your life looks like, but we need to have a, a plan and a series of rules in place so that you're comfortable as you enter retirement. You know this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to draw income. This is where it's going to come from. Mm-hmm. This is what we're going to do when markets drop. This is what we're going to do when they go up. Now, like any plan, it may not always survive contact with the enemy, but I find for a lot of people that is a very, very comforting thing is to know this is this is the system, this is the rules, this is the plan, rather than getting there and going, well, we've done it, we've got our two million, now what? Oh, geez, I don't know, it sort of depends on thing much mm. can we draw and, and, and it sounds... I don't know. For a lot of people, I think that discipline or that that system takes away a lot of that stress. In the same mm. way that we, when you're working, if we are saying you are going to be paid this amount of money every fortnight, you don't have to stress about it. You have to think about it. The same thing applies at the other end. Is in those early years of retirement, you want to know this is how I'm going to draw my income. This is how much it's going to spit out. This is this is what I've got mm. to live on. It takes away a lot of that stress because you go, I know what my life is going to look like for that first couple of years. Yeah. So that's that's a big part of. I'd say that year leading up to retirement and those first couple of years is just getting used to it, really, for a lot of people. Yeah, look, absolutely, and and I mean one one of the one of the hardest things I think to conceptualise is that this bucket of money that I have or yeah. that we have yeah. has to has to last us for the rest of our life, and we have to convert this somehow into an income stream. Yes, yeah, as opposed to a lump sum of That's capital. Exactly right, and and. Um. Yeah, I won't go back into it. I think you did a great job of explaining that, Dallas. Yeah. Um, there's but, so many factors that go yeah. into into and actually how hard do we need to work that money? Yeah. What's the fallback position that we have? Yeah. Um, how much can we draw? Yeah, out? How much can you draw yeah. out? Um, and there's different preferences because you, if you, if you, you know, 
if you have the variability, if you can afford variability in your income, you yep. can, you've got a lot more yep. options there because yep. you can I, dial I up or dial down depending on where the depending on the fluctuations of, yeah. of those growth assets. One thing's for sure. Um, uh, what doesn't work is 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 is, is putting all that money in the bank account and yep. getting you know no, no term right. deposit rates of interest on that. Yeah. Um, recognizing that by the third year of your retirement, and just think of how quickly three years goes by. Mm. Um, this retired couple, John and Jane Smith, will have will have drawn over three hundred thousand dollars out of out yeah. of their superannuation by yeah. the third year of yeah. their retirement. Now, yeah. now, um, uh, you know, you you don't have to be a mathematician to work out that if their yeah. money isn't being worked hard enough for them, yeah. then you know, three hundred thousand out of two million leaves them with only one point yeah. seven million, and yeah. it's a slippery slope from there. That's right. So, um, statistically, they'll they will live a fulfilled retirement yeah. and and um uh people that come you know, people that get to two million dollars statistically are healthy when yeah. they retire yep so they go. statistically they retire a little bit earlier yeah. um statistically they stay healthy for a lot longer yeah and and of course that's changing all the time mm-hmm. um the glass is half full yeah. in that our lives <laughs> our lives are longer in retirement and we're living we're living. Each generation is living, yeah. you know, statistically a a, a a longer and healthier retirement. Yeah. Um, the glass is certainly half full. I guess the challenge is funding. That. We, we got to fund it. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a, a great way that you that you put that is it's a change in mindset. Um, is that there's a bucket of money there, you know, or there's a, but it's not uh, it's not a bucket of money that I'm just scooping. You know, mm. I'm not scooping something out of that bucket every year and mm. spending it, and and it's just watching the watching the level in the bucket go down and down and down. What we really need to do now, I'm going to mix metaphors, but you really need to get that money. You, what you really want to be doing is going the other way, and you need the money. You need that to be growing every year, so that mm. you can be taking that bit off the top. And that's mm. you know, going back to the, the point around by this point in time, most of our clients we know whether they need to be loosened or tightened. And, and I've talked about this before, I think, with some people in retirement, the hard thing, for some people, the hard thing in that first couple of years is is for them to understand that, no, no, just because you've got $2 million doesn't mean you can spend whatever you want every year because there is there needs to be a system for how much you can spend so you don't run out. So some people need to be tightened in that way and say, hey, be careful. It's not just an, an unlimited pool of resources that you can just spend whatever you want. But what we often see is, is people going the other way, going, I'm not earning any income. You know, you've been working for 40, 45 years, earning an income, spending that money. That stops. People have been accumulating retirement savings for their whole life. And now all of a sudden, it's, it's, it can be a sudden shift to get you, you yeah. stop. You're not accumulating anymore. You, you can spend the return on that money. You, you know, it's fine to be able to just draw that out and, and spend some of it. It's, it's very interesting, I think, in that first couple of years. It, generally takes i would say a couple of years before people can make that shift and really get their head around how to think about that money and and how to feel comfortable drawing the income out that they need and spending that without either a going too crazy and spending too much money or b you know not being comfortable doing that and not being able to enjoy their their lifestyle and and thinking that they shouldn't be spending as much or something Mm -hmm. like that so that tends to be for me the first couple of years it's a yeah there's financial planning leading up to it and, and coming up with those rules and then there's just working with people through the, mm. the psychology of, of that which is which is sort of interesting yes and 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 not being psychologists no i mean, <laughs> I, mean, I, mean I, I mean of course we're not we're, we're, we're financial yeah. advisors and, yeah. and yeah. you know it's fair to say that not many <laughs> financial advisors are psychologists yeah where we feel that we have an advantage to um uh, compared to an advisor that sees people from yeah. age 18 yep. to retirement age is that we're only having conversations with people yeah. you know like John and Jane Smith yeah. who are 55 yeah. or 60 or 65 so the conversations um, with people are raising the same points these points or they're not even raising them with no, you they're no. just not spending the money in yeah. that example you know what I mean <laughs> and, that, and that's they're, they're, so so because we because we see these situations time and time again we we feel that we're more skilled in in, in having being able to have those conversations. I think that's a great point because yeah, I've even noticed that people tend to feel more comfortable 
you know, everyone always thinks they're a bit crazy. You yeah. know what I mean? And so I've, I've seen a, a sigh of relief almost with people in those first couple of years of retirement where, like you say, you can see that they're not really comfortable spending the money and, and just to say, hey, look, this is a very common thing that happens. I've seen this many times where, you know, here's the, here's the rules, here's the projections, here's what we've sort of agreed on. You can just spend that money. It's fine. Go and do that. And people think, well, maybe I'm just crazy. But you go, look, this is common. Like a lot of people struggle with this. It's just it's a part of the process. You will get used to it. I think that's a relief almost for some people to know that, okay, I'm I'm not the odd one out here. This is a normal part of things. I'll just, you know, I'll, like you say, we're not psychologists. I don't. I often don't know how to say to people, hey, this is how you should think about it. But just knowing that it is a common thing and that we have seen it and we've seen people work through that is, I think, a big relief for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So we're now got to someone's a few years into retirement. They've worked through all that. They've got their system. They've got their plan, um, you know. What else at that point in time? So um, I guess that's probably the main. The main that's, a, that's the main. The, the main. The only one that I add because I love this is is the the final stage of when someone passes away. The work that we want to do now around is that we really want to be planning for minimising tax on on inheritance to their adult kids. Mm. That's really the only. The, the final hurdle is throughout that 30 years of retirement, you need to make sure that you're drawing the right amount of money at spending the right amount of money. Now, what we want to have already have done by the time you get to retirement is structure things in a way where we're leaving the most amount of tax-free money to, you, to your mm-hmm. adult children you know, if and when you, you hand money over to them. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole other podcast about that that you can go and listen to, but I find that sort of interesting that most people probably yeah, don't, absolutely. but it's a... It's it's the the sort of final piece of the puzzle, and you know even with things along the way of making sure that your beneficiaries are set up so that money's going between spouses in the most effective way, and that and, yes. and that you can keep money in the most tax advantage tax advantage environment uh, when one of the members of the couple passes away, mm-hmm. helping them work through the paperwork and the logistics of that, which Kylie is an absolute expert at all those sorts of things. So. Even even at those final stages, you know, unfortunately, we we have seen that with with a few clients, we've had to work through that, and it's, I think, a big relief for the client, a big relief for us to know mm. that we've already done the work to plan for mm. that, and it's then just a matter of making sure that we we can help with the logistics of it. Absolutely, good point to wrap up. So, if any of this resonates with you, if you'd like to reach out to us at podcast at mo five zero dot com We'd be happy, more than happy, to to set up a Zoom meeting with you if you're not local to our region, and uh, and we can start to to talk about how we could play a part and what you'd be able to achieve, and and even you know, where you'd need to get to uh, in order to have a fulfilled retirement. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Money Over Fifty podcast with Money Over Fifty Financial Advisors. We look forward to catching up again soon.